Welcome everybody to the Making Notes Notes Podcast. Podcast, podcast, podcast. What we have for you is a three-part series talking about entrepreneurial essentials that they don't really discuss in school. This is not by any means a comprehensive examination of these three ideas, but it is a good starting point. And we reference books we've read. We, we just kind of give a great overview, a great starting place so you can understand what these elements are and how they can improve your life as an entrepreneur. This first episode is about value, the concept of value, how it is exchanged, and how you can build it not only for yourself, but also how you can provide it for other people. So if you find value in this podcast, <laughs> please subscribe, rate, comment. If you want to speak with us, join the Discord. If you want to give us your money to share lots of value, Patreon. <laughs> we got videos on YouTube. We're, we're on all the channels. Come hang out. You can find those links uh, in the description. But without further ado, let's get to our conversation on Faking Those Podcasts about value. value. Welcome, everybody. What's up? How you feeling? How you feeling, Trevor? We got producer Daniel, Trevor Bumgarner in the chat. Yellow. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're doing kind of like a three-parter Faking Those Podcast, a little discussion about three important concepts. Trevor and I sat down with Daniel. We kind of just like had a little bit of a chat after our recent episode with Yuga Kohler. We were like, okay, so there are all these things that musicians and entrepreneurs need to learn about to be successful in the field outside of school, but they don't really teach these concepts in school. So we thought we'd do a little crash course on the ideas behind what value is, what money is, and what marketing is, because those three elements can really make or break what you do, what you produce when you leave school. Let's just jump right in. Okay. So we got a three-parter here, but for this particular episode, value. Mm -hmm. Drew, what is value? It's love. <laughs> <laughs> it's money. That's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> well, value, like, it's an abstract concept because value is intrinsic to every human being. For instance, you value Shiloh way different <laughs> than I value him or Daniel, who's never even met Shiloh. He probably would trade shiloh for like three bucks and a pack of cigarettes right? uh, i mean i would i would trade him for more yeah. what i mean to say is like value is in the eyes of the beholder right and so one way to measure value that humans have developed over time is this concept of money right but before we jump into money value can be defined by a lot of different elements the way i think about it is like work effort, putting worker effort into something intrinsically increases its value. You know, let's say you have a kid out there. I know we're all on the younger side, but you know, they took three minutes and like took some <laughs> glue and some glitter and threw some macaroni on a construction paper and gave it to you. You know, you'd be like, okay, you'd still hang it up. Cause like it had value because that's your kid. You love you. You love them. <laughs> but if a random stranger stranger's kid walks up to you and hands you the same picture you're not gonna really get that shit on my face exactly. <laughs> think about it like this, this is the real world this is the real world you ain't got no value kid put some well, cheese on that macaroni <laughs> i'm hungry 
however, think about it like this. Let's say there is a uh, genius prodigy artist child that is not your own, but slaves away for 90 days on a single work of art. It's beautiful to behold. It is breathtaking. It, it is innovative. It changes the whole nature of what it means to make macaroni art. And generations <laughs> study this piece beyond this kid, right? And that kid walks up to you on the street and hands you that piece of art. You're probably going to value that way more than your kid who took three minutes to – it's your kid, yeah, but they're still kind of dumb. And this because <laughs> they have your genes, they've still got your genes, and they're just they're struggling. They're you know they're working with what they got. I think they're it's doing the best they can. <laughs> it it is a great point because I think we can get caught up in just our own assumptions of value. Obviously, with money, we're always thinking of dollar signs. We assume that something more expensive is better when that's not always the case. Sometimes the price tag is the only thing that makes us think it is better. Sometimes it's not worth it, but of course there's great examples that if you go to a, a famous painting, the water lilies, something beautiful, you know, history, you know about the artist, it's in museums, it's on the lighting. And so the value of the original is priceless. We can't even necessarily ascribe a value. The value of replicas by the artist, incredibly valuable. The value of a counterfeit, it could look the exact same. It could have been painted in the same method. How, how do we figure out its value as opposed to print versions of that, as opposed to the desktop screensaver, which then you right-click and save as? Because all of these look pretty much the same. It is the same piece of artwork, but yet, depending on what tier you're at, it has a different set of value. So what I we think is interesting though is it's kind of easy to ascribe it to art or trading cards as opposed to the real person out there on the field mm -hmm. uh hitting the baseball how do we figure out value for ourselves because we're out here working we're out here trying to create priceless things but depending on what we're putting in effort into our craft for us it's music well, what is the value? Can I actually speak to that a little bit? Because there is, like in part three, we're going to talk about marketing. There's a book called The 22 Mutable Laws of Marketing. And I think it actually has a lot of really interesting clues as to how you can value a product or service. And one of those things is about being original, being a first. In your example of like Claude Monet's Water Lilies, he was one of the first impressionistic painters to paint in that way. And it was unique for the time. And so that uniqueness, that newness, and the amount of time and imagination and effort it had to create something that was brand new, that is all baked into the value. Replicating something that somebody has already done takes a it proportionally fractional amount of effort. Therefore, the value isn't the same. Well, there's a quote by Albert Einstein saying, imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. Imagination is endless. When you talk about creating value, we squelch kids' imaginations, but your imagination is your most valuable resource because that is how you create new things. So I think when we talk about value, it is also 
a conversation about creating something that is new, that can be provided as a product or service, which I think can lead us into our little next uh, segment of the, of the conversation. When you are a musician, what are you doing, Trevor? Uh, <clears throat> crying, drinking coffee, and scrolling Facebook. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, like in value. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yes, uh, yes. Just, <laughs> so there are all these different types of things are kind of somewhat melded together. It's a weird melting pot to figure out what is like the value as in money wise. What do I charge? What is the value of my time? What is the value of the time I've already put in towards the craft? There's, of course, that old story proverb, so to speak, of the locksmith. He gets a call. Hey, can you come? I'm locked out. Please come help me. The locksmith shows up, opens the door in two minutes, and it's like, that'll be $200. And the person's like, what are you kidding me? $200? It only took you two minutes. Uh, I could pay someone else, and they'll, they'll come fix it. And he's just like, yeah, but I spent 25 years so that I could open that door in two minutes. And so you're paying for that built-up time. And for musicians, it all kind of depends. It'll always be this balancing act. There are definitely guidelines and charts that can help you figure out your value and how it fits the needs of, of the client, so to speak, and how it fits the needs of yourself. Do you value what you're about to do? Do you value putting an effort into this? But for me, it kind of just boils down to like when deciding on specific projects. So we're really in the weeds. I'm thinking of like the value of, do I say yes to this? I value someone in order. It kind of needs to check all three boxes or heavily check too. Can I grow doing this? Will I learn something new from this experience? Does it benefit me in that way? Number two, how much time is this going to take? Because time is our most valuable resource. You cannot get it back. Science has not afforded us the opportunity to ever get time back. And then three, money. But here's the thing. So this is one, two, three. There's probably you know, four through 500 beneath that. Money is top three. That is a huge part of this. Because what does money allow me to do? Money can time. allow me to have more time. Yeah, I can use money to buy, in air quotes, the other two. So I value all three, one, two, three, but it's not, that's not the end of the checklist. That's the highest part of the checklist. Having more money means I could afford to have someone help me with something else. I can afford to eat. Uh, I can afford to pay a gym membership and then not go. Uh, <laughs> and then, but also having more money, what does that allow you to do? That allows you to say no to more things that take up your time. That also allows you to say yes to things that could really fulfill number one. I could really fulfill growth. So when I think of value, particularly to the art of it, to the craft and the business of music and myself as a maker of art uh, and as someone just existing in this world, these are the types of calculations I'm running in there to figure out value. There is no clear checklist when they're like, what's the price? I don't know. It depends on the other categories. And so once I take that in there, that's the equation that kind of pops out in my mind. And that will change over time as you grow. Exactly. That's a really wonderful perspective, Trevor. And you're you're coming from the composition side, mm -hmm. you know, from the musician side, at least the way I think about it. I think about in recent years, every time I go into the practice room, that's me increasing my, my fee mm. in the future. Because what I'm doing is I'm getting better I'm becoming more efficient at what I do. As a viola player, 
People will call me to do viola things. They'll call me to go to a session to perform as a violist. Now, if I don't practice, I will have to work a little bit harder to do the job that a person asks me to do, right? So oftentimes I'm called to show up to a recording studio, never having looked at the music and the client having a limited amount of studio time that they've booked. So time is money in that case. And they need me to perform the stuff well, to make it sound good, and do it all in the allotted amount of time that's given to me. Oftentimes, that allotted time does not allow for a person to mess up too many times, if at all. And so in this case, my practice has allowed me to be eligible to be able to fit that sort of job description. They're paying me because for them to learn the viola, and to play it to a style and a level that they want, and to even if they want to tweak it on a dime to have somebody do that, they would have to invest at least five, six, seven years to get that done. But here I am, who I have somebody who, who's invested 20 years in my craft. One thing that we don't really develop as a concept of value is the value of your efficiency. When one is able to do something quickly, one is able to do something in many different permutations and in different ways. And so the thing that I, I want you to walk away from here, faking fam, is if you're not sure of what value is, your ability is just one metric of value, right? If you practice your hardest, you practice your heart out, you're just expanding one metric of your value, but there are other ways you can provide value in the future. Another one is marketing. People hire me because like, I have an audience. So that's another extension of value I can provide their product or service, right? And so if you want to start making more money, which is what we're going to talk about next episode, find as many ways you can provide value for your clients in as many verticals as possible. But at the core of it, you need to focus on one silo, which is for you, Trevor, it's composition. For me, it's viola. For whomever is listening, if you're a producer, your catalog of tracks, right? You got to be making more beats if you want to be a producer because you don't know what your client is looking for. If you want to put stuff in the sample library, you got to provide more product. So that, that's just kind of how I think about it as a musician. I love it because it is very important to realize that there is more to you than just your instrument. That's how we can get caught in that depressive stage because when you're not just playing so right or you go out there and you lay out a stinker and you're just downing yourself because that's your identity. We need to remember and obviously if you guys are listening to this podcast is what we're all about being able to expand. I think it's very important to get really good at that thing because it can allow you, like once that's really going, that kind of breaks through the ice. It's the snow piercer. And then everything else is all the rest of the train. I'm excited. The third season of Snowpiercer is coming back. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, that was a reference. That was a, that was a very specific reference. Good, great movie. Great movie too. But um, being able to increase your value in different ways, it really helps our previous couple of guests have done that, particularly Yuga. When conducting's not working 
well or to the left. I mean, it's always working great. But when it's not to the level or it doesn't feel like it's progressing, he's improving in computer science, improving in crypto. When that maybe gets stagnant, he's like, oh, I need a change. Conducting's going up. And I think that's between composition and music contracting and this podcast and all the things we try to do is that at least for us, it feels healthier because you will always feel stagnant. There is no linear growth. It's going to be a wobbly path. And so when you're in the in the dip of one, you still push forward, you still put in time, but it can at least allow you to feel that sense of improvement elsewhere. So with value, there's lots of different things. Obviously, one of the biggest points of value that you can have in this industry, but in pretty much every industry, like good luck finding an industry that doesn't need this, is the value of relationships. It's super important. And that value of having relationships can also feed back into time and money by having great connections and like getting on, like producer Daniel, that relationship to come in here and help us out. It helps in other verticals. Having good relationships with people will straight up just get you money. And we're not talking about raw like, oh, I've moved here and I got a network so that I'll get the call from so-and-so and I get to go to the studio. Yes, that's nice. But as a lot of our studio musician guests have come on here, you don't just come in and like, give me, give me to so-and-so right now. Like I need like gigs. Like, no, what do you do? You go there, you be personable, you be someone that you'd want to recommend. Like you go in there, it's like, wow, I really like them. They're fun to be around. They can play really well. They'll show up on time and they won't embarrass me for recommending them. I can trust them. And then suddenly you're getting the calls without ever really having to ask, hey, give me these calls, the values of relationships. Now, here's the thing, of course, relationships is that it is one of the hardest things, um, not necessarily to maintain, but if you do something really bad, it can disappear. You can break that relationship in 20 minutes, and it might take years to foster that relationship. So you could check out our previous course on essential music <laughs> skills for musicians yeah, so uh, sure. to, to try to speed up that process. Because if you can get to a more fruitful, real relationship sooner, you will be in a much better place. That can be part of your value. I even just got a, a text message yesterday. Someone looking for recommendations. All I do is recommend people for gigs. Who am I sending them to? The people who I know can do the job, the people who more often than not, I think need it. I'm trying to look out for them like, hey, like they've had a rough go. They, I know they could use the cash too. This particular gig's not worth my time, value, balance, growth, expectation. Happy to send it on. And I'm sending it on to these people who meet these prior requirements. So the value of relationships, think about that. Don't leapfrog someone. Don't break the picket line. Look out for each other. If you stab someone in the back, you're never getting that call again. So value your relationships, your network, your inner circle, your growing outer circle. That is a particular thing that is value that does directly translate into your money and your career moving forward. That's so astute, Trevor. I couldn't agree with you more. And for reference, if you're trying to go back and listen to some essential social skills for musicians, those are episodes 90 and 91. Thank you, Producer Daniel, for dropping that in the chat. You're um, welcome. <laughs> I also wanted to verify and validate what you said, Trevor, because you know the world is political. That is just the way 
it is. I'm sorry. You're going to have to deal with people. So if you come to that realization that no matter what you do, you're going to have to deal with people, if you just accept that as fact and then focus on getting better at that one thing, you would be so surprised what it does for you in the future. Now, part of you know getting along with people, and we talked about this, is developing yourself so that you can be useful to other people. That is probably one of the easiest ways to get along with people is developing a skill set that people need. That's how you can develop value. Now, we haven't really talked about you know, how do we translate value into a way that can bring you money, which is the next episode, right? So let's just talk about briefly a couple of different ways that we can solidify and crystallize this ethereal concept of value into tangible things like money and relationships. Well, for one, entertainment. If you entertain people, if you are entertaining, that is value. That is value to somebody. You can bring your entertaining capabilities to social media. You can bring that to your gig, make everybody laugh. You can bring that to social gatherings. So if you're the funny dude, you're always getting invited to dinner because people need to laugh, right? <laughs> that kind of goes into comedy. If you can like crystallize your wittiness into funny skits, for social media, if you can crystallize your wit into planning really fun trips and outings for people, that is another way to build your social value. And we also have to address social media and the elephant in the room. Social media is social media. What? Social <laughs> media. Wait, what? If you have no social skills, you won't grow on social media. What a concept. But it's true. Another aspect of social interaction is education. And it's actually underestimated, at least in America. We have this perspective that educators aren't valuable, which is really depressing. Educators aren't valuable until they're college educators, and then it's too valuable. It's <laughs> unaffordable, right? It's this very extreme dichotomy. It's unique to the American experience because if you go to a lot of Asian countries, especially, they're on the same level of doctors. Like teachers are essential for life, they are venerated in society. So if you can really find a way to educate people, crystallize your experience to create shortcuts for others which is how I've built my entire brand and my entire career, do it because it's valuable. It has value. Another thing that uh, creates value, and we'll talk about this more in the marketing episode we'll have for you, it's emotion, right? A lot of these Super Bowl ads that we talk about after the Super Bowl that make everybody laugh and cry is because there's emotion. If you put the humanness of you the connection and relatability of what it's like to have your human experience, if you can put that in a way that resonates with people, that's valuable. That has value. That could be the way you show up to the gig and the way you interact with your everyday human, right? If you're just being a real person and you're not afraid to be vulnerable, you're not afraid to share your story, you're not afraid to, when it's appropriate, have emotion, that's valuable. Because people will then see you as more trustworthy. Because the one thing that we don't trust is robots. We don't <laughs> trust bots. 
right? And bots don't really have emotions yet. When something is emotionless, we're turned off by that. So mm-hmm. don't be afraid of your emotions. Just don't be emotional and irrational. And that's a whole nother conversation. And the last thing that I want to cover when it comes to value, when it comes to crystallizing value, is physical or digital products, right? So Coca-Cola, that was a concept. That was an idea. Cocaine. Uh, cocaine. <laughs> Who doesn't love some cocaine? Am I right? Oh. Why do you think I've got a stuffy nose? Um, that was a terrible joke. I don't do cocaine. <laughs> just the record. But Coca-Cola was an idea and concept, an effervescent sweet drink that was different from hard liquor. Because, you know, back in the day, you know, we really couldn't trust water. So we drank alcohol. But if you didn't want to get busted at noon, you you wanted to have a soft drink, not a hard drink. And so there was this whole market that was created around the soft drink, but it was crystallized because the idea was cemented in a physical product that then could be sold. Now, as a musician, Trevor, what are some examples of physical products or services that musicians provide? Just For let's instance, go through a list. Composers. Ken and Nathan came on here and Ken talked about making sample packs. It's very simple. You get it. Here's some files. Use it. Do what you want with it. Please and thank you. Selling tracks. People will still buy CDs, but I don't I don't think you have to go out and do that. But people can come out and buy your tracks online. It's very easy to do. You've got other monetary things like streaming. But as far as physical products, vinyl. obviously, vinyl. People love that. Merch. Go out and give merch. People still buy these at shows. Now, obviously, you need to have a show, which to some degree is what? A physical product (laughs) of it having people attached to it. Drew, do you have any like specific examples that come to mind? Yes. Tools. We realize them. We're like, oh, yeah, of course. But we don't think about it outright. Tools. Tools for the music. Instruments. Strings. Hair. Bows, mouthpieces, microphones, interfaces, preamps, amplifiers, pedals, cables. Those are all physical products that people have created and sold for money because they're valuable because they facilitate the act of creating music. So we often think of products as like the end result of our efforts, but what are the things we need to do to create the art? That's also something, right? So one one way to think about it is like think about your everyday life, right? Go from the very beginning of your day when you wake up. Think of everything you're using, not just like the end result of your day, the things you did, but like who made your sheets? Who made your bed? Who made your toothbrush? Who made the toothpaste? Who farmed the eggs and the avocados? <laughs> who created the hot sauce? Who packaged the bean, the coffee beans for your coffee, right? Who stitched together your clothes? Who stitched together the leather seats in your car? Who manufactured the chairs you sit on? Just having this exercise and just being more aware of your surroundings and the things you use every day. And then try to think about what a musician's day looks like. What are the tools they're using? 
Can you create a new tool for them? What's a problem that they're going through on an everyday basis? What's a problem that you're going through on an everyday basis that hasn't been solved yet? Can you make a solution? Have you made an ad hoc solution that's kind of quirky, but nobody else has done yet? Can you save some money and replicate it so other people can use that solution? Can you trademark that solution? Can you sell it digitally or physically in a store? This is like the entrepreneurial mindset one must create in order to then begin to bring an idea into the physical world and then use that value that that physical product or digital product creates to crystallize and make you what our next episode will be about. Money. Money. 